YouTube. All right. Uh, welcome to the Vineyard. We are continuing on today in our study through the Old Testament. Um, we spent five years previous to this and doing a chapter of the time in the New Testament. We're a year in now in the Old Testament. We're in Genesis 40. One tonight, we're going to work through the entire Old Testament together, God willing. Um, should he tarry, we'll, we'll knock it out in the next 14 years. And then we'll start all over again. So um, we'll see what... I can go back and look at my notes and see if anything's changed. Um, um, before I hop in, though, to Genesis 41, and we'll do the build-up in a minute. This is also um, uh, historically in the church. Uh, today is Ash Wednesday. And uh, maybe some of you grew up in that tradition and you, you knew about Ash Wednesday. It was uh, um, Ash Wednesday, really not a biblical thing. Um, not, not that it's a bad thing. I'm just saying we can't. If you're looking for scriptures for it, you're going to have trouble. Um, it started around 1100 AD. And um, it was a way of uh, sort of um, having people get really pressed into this 40-day season that uh, leads up towards Easter, which is the big day, and the church wanted to celebrate that, and I get that. So this is officially in the first day of Lent, um, and which is 40 days, and then there's a couple days after Lent before Easter, but it kind of takes you right up into preparation for the Holy Week. Um, uh, it gets its name, Ash Wednesday, from the, the you know what would you, you would happen if that was your tradition. You would go early on this day to a Mass, and they would um, put um, ash on your head, uh, in the shape of a cross, and you would wear that around all day long. Um, those ashes are made, in case you're curious, from palm branches that were blessed on the previous year's Palm Sunday. So they would they would keep uh, the, those palm branches be blessed, kept, and turned into ash and used on Ash Wednesday. And these ash crosses were drawn on people's heads. And then usually the words are repent and believe in the gospel, or remember your dust and the dust shall, shall return. Is um, what would be taking place in that process. So all that's well and good, and uh, just wanted to make sure that, you know, um, we bless you if that's, if that's your tradition. It's, um, we remember it, and I'd like people to know that it's good. Uh, Lent, um, uh, you know, it's a perfectly fine celebration and tradition. The, um, and then most people, uh, no, no, a lot of people, even people that may not be um, uh, really engaged church-wise, let's put it that way, often take Lent even and do something and they think, okay, I need to give that up for Lent. Or they, they like that expression. Have you ever heard that? I'm going to give that up for Lent. I'm going to give that up for Lent. Uh, and so, you know, this, this has been a practice that there would be a season of sort of giving up something in this 40-day period. And, you know, I think people get, that gets, con, gets messed up. There's a lot of fasting involved in, in the season and that's not a bad thing. It's certainly not bad to fast. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I think as long as the, the giving up of something, if you do choose to give something up, it should ultimately draw you closer in your relationship to the Lord. Um, you know, that was the intention of fasting. You know, biblical fast would go from sundown to sundown. And, and so you would eat a meal, your dinner meal. You would, uh, in effect, skip breakfast and lunch. And then after sunset, you would eat once again. That would be a biblical fast. The idea was the time that you would save from, you know, foraging for food and preparing food and cooking food, you know, the same thing as preparing, and then eating food, you would use that time to sort of spend a little more time with the Lord. And um, hunger will sort of help you in that process too. So that's kind of the idea. But 
only to draw closer to God. Not uh, a lot of times we'll take those things because we're trying to get something, or people go, "Well, I'm going to," you know. And I just think, you know, ultimately any of those things should just be a season where you draw a little closer to the Lord. And if you one of those people that chooses to um, step back from something during Lent, um, uh, you know, do something that will help you draw closer to the Lord. Not for any other reason. We're not a performance-based group. You know that. You don't earn anything. You already got everything given to you. So it's um, it's really just something that you, if you incorporate in your life, it's my opinion, to help you draw ever closer to the Lord. And so certainly not a bad thing. But uh, I didn't want to just kind of pass by the Wednesday without mentioning it. So this Lent begins today. So you're, now you're in Lent. Yay. If you didn't know, now you do. 40 days. Okay, so we are in Genesis 41. Remember, I'd like to review this before we go. There's some things I want you to remember about our study in Genesis. And, and uh, so throughout this, I've told you that there's four main events, there's four main characters, and there's one big theme that I want you to remember that as we continue on in this study, you can go back and I ought to be able to ask you, hey, what, what were the main things about Genesis? So, so by now, you should know these things are four main events were creation and the fall and the flood and the Tower of Babel. And all those take place in the first uh, 11 chapters or so of the book. Then from there, there's four main characters. There's lots of characters, but the four main characters from there are Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And so I want you to try and remember those uh, as being sort of very important into the whole process of what's going on. And then the main theme, the, the thing that I want you to remember is what we call the crimson thread of redemption. The crimson thread of redemption that starts in Genesis 3.15 and weaves its way through the entire Old Testament all the way up to the cross. And that you'll, you'll see this if you're aware and you're looking for it. You'll see it weaving its way through the entire Old Testament, this crimson thread of redemption, taking you to Jesus on the cross and how he redeems us there from the time of the fall until, until um, redemption takes place for us on the cross. So that's kind of what we're looking at. Now um, we have spent... Quite a bit of time talking about Abraham's life and Isaac's life, and, and now we're into Jacob's life, and more to the point we're looking at Joseph's story. Um, Jacob is still very much alive at this point, um, although he's, he's um, sort of not the central figure of these chapters, but he'll weave his way in and out. But the, the story now is more about Joseph and, and God's provision uh, in Joseph and through Joseph to, to save uh, Israel and prepare them for what's about to come. So right now, Joseph has been um, uh, in prison for some time. Remember, he was thrown into prison for something that he didn't do. Uh, He took the high road and still got tossed in prison. He's been in prison for some time now. Um, uh, About two years have passed since the, um, we believe two years have passed since he interpreted the dreams for the cupbearer and the the baker. Um, And the cupbearer, both their dreams were fulfilled, one well and one not so well, but they got what he said they were going to get. And the cupbearer was supposed to remember Joseph to the Pharaoh, and he didn't. And so uh, Joseph has spent the next two years uh, in prison waiting for God's timing. Remember, God's given him dreams, visions, uh, and he's aware of what's supposed to happen, but has no idea how it's supposed to happen. And since that point in time, when he got those great uh, dreams from the Lord, his life has gone south. Uh, he spent some time as a slave. Now he's spending some time in prison. But um, the, the move that we're going to read about today goes better for Joseph. And uh, 
So that's kind of exciting. And I think this chapter really touches on the sovereignty of God in ways that probably no other chapter does in Genesis anyway. Um, you're going to see God's sovereign movement into this entire process and how he's had Joseph right where he needs to be from the, the, the time these things happened. Even though Joseph hasn't understood it, God's, God's had his hand on it and has taught Joseph a lot in the process. So, um, so what we're going to read here in just a moment, just so I'm going to give you the, the sort of preview, um, God causes Pharaoh to have two dreams on the same night. His um, soothsayers, if you would, they couldn't interpret the dreams Um, But they were very vivid, and they happened one after another, and they really got Pharaoh's attention. And um, he couldn't couldn't find out what was going on. His people that were supposed to do that couldn't. And uh, we're going to see all of a sudden the cupbearer suddenly remembers, oh, I know a guy that interprets dreams. Uh, And um, whether he had forgotten and hadn't served, whoever, who knows the reason why he didn't do what he did. Anyway, now he says, hey, I know a guy who can interpret your dreams. And, uh, and so Pharaoh summons Joseph, uh, and uh, you'll see Joseph has to prepare himself to go. And for the third time in, uh, in 13 years, <laughs> he, he has to give up his garment. Uh, and uh, he will, but he's going to get a good one back finally. And then um, he sort of, he's gonna, you're going to see when we read how he honors God before he ever, ever does this thing. And, um, and then Joseph actually goes beyond giving him an interpretation to making some suggestions to Pharaoh that really weren't asked, pretty big step on Joseph's part um, to say, here's your dreams and here's what you ought to do. Pretty big deal. And, um, and you're going to see that and that works out pretty well for Joseph because Pharaoh says, you seem like just the right guy for the job and uh, appoints him to this position of great power and authority uh, and it's a fascinating thing in what happens and um, he's going to get a brand new robe and a whole bunch of other stuff along the way. He's going to have two kids. I just want to mention their names quick. Manasseh, which means forgetting. And it's, and, and it's not that Joseph, he never forgets his family um, or the events that occurred, but he, 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 he chooses to forget the pain and suffering that they caused, uh, which is a pretty big deal. He doesn't remain bitter. It's huge. Because um, when his brothers show up, he's, he's pretty cool. The other son is named Ephraim. Ephraim, and that means twice fruitful. And um, Egypt uh, has, you know, initially been a place of affliction for Joseph, but now he has two sons, and he's very fruitful in the land. And he would also be very fruitful as the second ruler um, of Egypt underneath Pharaoh. So that's kind of what we're going to see. Let me read this to you. This is Genesis 41. It's 57 verses. Not all the verses made it onto the sheet that you have. So if you need to want to read along the rest of it, you can grab Bibles in the rows, or I can just read them to you, or they may, they will show up on the screen, hopefully, and uh, you can get them all there. But 57 verses didn't fit on that sheet. So here we go. Verse 1. Yeah, to make them fit, the font would be so small that no one could read it. So yeah, nobody here, at least I couldn't read it. Maybe you could, I couldn't. Even with my glasses. I've got to have this big giant thing happen. All right. Verse 1. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile. When out of the river, there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows because they were hungry that's not in there then Pharaoh woke up he fell asleep again and had a second dream 
Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy, full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. In the morning, his mind was troubled, so he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he had interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was hanged. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Again, that's Joseph's character. He's yielding and saying, I can't do it, but God can. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream, I was standing on the bank of the Nile, when out of the river there came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they gazed among the reeds, and after them seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean. I had never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. The lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows that came up first. But even after that, even after they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They looked just as ugly as before. Then I woke up, as an ugly cow dream will make you do, <laughs> as you all know. <laughs> In my dreams, I also saw seven heads of grain, full and good, growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told this to the magicians, but none could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason was given, the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon. And I'll let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during his seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of those good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come, out, come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. This plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man, one, whom, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made, known, uh, made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. 
Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. Around his neck, he had him ride in a chariot as his second in command, and men shouted before him, "Make way!" And then he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, "I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift a hand or foot in all Egypt." Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zephina Paneah, and gave him uh, Asenath, daughter of Potiphera, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. Before the years of famine came... Two sons were born to Joseph by Anasseth, daughter of Potiphera, priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the countries came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe in all the world. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So, um pretty fascinating plan and and it's not like they stored the food and just gave it back to the people they sell it to them and eventually they're going to get all everything they're going to own it all over the and and just about all the wealth everywhere will all end up with pharaoh because of um, this particular plan so um let's just talk about some of the highlights of the whole thing but we'll see more of this next week so um there in the beginning it's at, you know at the end of two full years and, um, you know, sometimes people don't know if it's, it's two years from the time he went into prison until he gets out, or most likely it's two years from the time he interprets the dream for the cupbearers uh, and the baker until the cupbearer remembers him, and then um, comes the time for him to get out. But so he spent a, so he spent a stretch of time, at least two years, probably more, in prison for something he hadn't done. And he was a very young man. Remember, when they sold him into slavery, he was only 17, so... Um, so he goes through this entire process. So he's got a 13-year um, run of some pretty tough times. Now, God's elevated him, you know, from slavery. You know, he went to the top of the house, falsely confused to prison. He's running the prison. So he's getting a lot of experience, and he's, he's making the best of those situations. But that's a long run. Um, I, sometimes I think many of us have some dreams or some visions or some calling from the Lord and yet the gap from when we get them to when they happen causes us to think that they're never going to happen and yet that's a 13 year run right there for Joseph and, uh, and then things start happening his hope was deferred for a long time but you, know, he can't, I don't even, you couldn't even imagine what he was about to do so um, Pharaoh has his dream Pharaoh is uh, it's from an Egyptian word um, that's, that's P-H-R-E um, free and it, it's, it's, it's about the sun S-U-N sun 
And, and it was the official title given the kings of that country. So pharaohs change, you know, as pharaohs would. So when you read about pharaoh, like we said, it's a long period of time. It's not always the same guy. And um, these guys were all sort of um, kings who had come through from even some from different places um, that, are, that are in Egypt at the time. This particular pharaoh um, sleeps like all the rest of us. He went to sleep. He had two dreams. We said that. Um, they were very similar but very distinct. And um, he can't figure them out. He calls in his magicians and his wise men. And those would have been pretty common uh, uh, people to have in the ancient palaces. And they studied the sacred arts and sciences. And they read the stars. And they interpreted the dreams. And were there to predict the, the future. And perform magic. Um, but, but they... Um, they, they were not on the right side of that whole deal, all right? So whatever power they had came from the enemy. That's where they were. They couldn't, they couldn't understand these dreams. Um, but, um, but God reveals it to Joseph. And so, you know, verse 14, um, again, this amazing opportunity comes. Sometimes they just kind of, all of a sudden, you know, long wait, and then boom, all of a sudden things start to happen. And that's what happened with Joseph. And um, he's, he's pulled out of the dungeon and he's uh, quickly sort of made ready for Pharaoh uh, uh, in the process. And, and um, I think, you know, um, God used him to interpret dreams, but that wasn't the, the issue. It wasn't that he was so great at interpreting dreams. It, it wasn't his, um, uh, his knowledge of dreams that helped him. It was his knowledge of God. And, and I want to make sure that you get that. That's what's important here. It was that he continued to trust in the Lord in all this time. And, and we know that because he immediately defers um, to the Lord when he goes in. He says, no, I can't interpret. Don't, don't you love that? So I can't interpret dreams. But God can. So why don't you go ahead and tell me and let's see what, what God has to say about it. Where all the credit goes, where it belongs. And, and uh, it's really, really good. But, but you know, he, he stayed close to God through this entire process and I think you know for all of us it's a it's a reminder how important it is for us to stay close to God regardless of circumstance because you know we're always going to find life there and and, um, and then you know always giving glory to God when we can in those situations so um, I like it too they, they made sure he was shaved in case you didn't catch that the Egyptians we're one of the few cultures at the time that had bare faces. Um, and, and so if you were going to deal with them, you would also. Uh, and so he had to shave because the Hebrews would have all had facial hair. And they, so he had to shave. And, I, and whatever cloak he had, he had to get rid of again. He's lost, that's the third time he's lost his coat. <laughs> you, know, if, you wonder if he's got a Me and coats, I don't know what it is. But I can't hang on to coats. Uh, so then he interprets Pharaoh's dreams verses 28 and, and sort of following here and, um, and gives him this plan for preventing disaster uh, and, you, and you know and so if um, God warns Pharaoh and Pharaoh could have done a lot of things with the information he could have said yeah whatever uh, um, but he, he takes the dreams he believes that they, they have come from God and, and, um, and that plan sounds as good as any. And so, uh, you know, Pharaoh recognizes by asking the question, where can we find a man that's wise and full of the spirit of God? And he, he looks at Joseph and said, that's you. And um, you'll do just fine. And, um, and so that's what he was looking for. 
in the process. I, I think this too. Um, it was really sort of a win-win situation for Pharaoh because um, he's, this is the dream and if, if, uh, if Joseph didn't do the right job, he could go, it's not my fault. <laughs> I'll take over now that Joseph has messed the whole thing up. Um, so it was a, you know, if, if, when you think about it, it was pretty pretty good tricky part, but Joseph is the guy for the job. And, um, and so literally, now think about this jump, because you, you've seen it with Joseph. So he goes from being a slave to being the ruler uh, of the household, only under Potiphar in that situation, then thrown in jail for something he didn't do. And so he's a prisoner, and then all of a sudden he's running the prison just underneath the warden. Then he goes out of that into Pharaoh's presence, and from, from prison, he goes to the number two job in Egypt. That's a pretty big rise, right? I mean, that cuts out a lot of levels. So like... <laughs> he didn't work his way up. He went from prisoner to boop, nobody more important than him in the entire kingdom than except Pharaoh himself. And uh, he was the one that would call all the shots. And, and, um, and so, you know, I, and, uh, in the whole process, you, and we'll see in his life, he continues to seek God and look for God's guidance uh, in this entire situation. It doesn't go to his head what's happened. Um, then I, I think, you know, so... Um, Pharaoh's got to deal with um, having a Hebrew in that sort of position. And so, because the, the, the Egyptians didn't like the Hebrews, and we'll, you'll find out later on if you haven't seen it already, because they, they don't like these, these nomadic shepherds they don't care for. And even when the people of Israel come, when Jacob and his family come, he, he's got to leave them in another land in Goshen because the Egyptians don't like them. Because of what they do more than anything. But they, they don't care for that. So he's sort of got to downplay that. So he gives him this whole name, this whole different name. Um, and, uh, and yet he's always referred to by Pharaoh as Joseph. So that, that crazy name that I read to you, um, he's given. And, um, uh, and it was probably easier for them to remember because it was an Egyptian name. And he also gives him the, the daughter of a prominent Egyptian official to be his wife. All of that should make him more palatable to the uh, people of Egypt. Uh, 30 years old when he becomes second in command in Egypt. So really, that's not bad. I mean, but that's a, that's a rough apprenticeship. Those are 13 years. Um, so 13 years in Egypt as a slave and a prisoner. And we see that. The famine comes. Famine is catastrophic. Uh, still is, but uh, in places of the world. But even then, you know, any, any variation in weather could cause it. Insect outbreaks could cause it. And they weren't ready to deal with famine. Um, and, you know, they, they, uh, and so it, would, it could completely take down entire nations and um, and you know they, they, there wasn't anybody going to come into the rescue for them if they weren't ready to do this and, and so it was a very difficult thing um, and so these seven years of famine uh, this seven years of abundance comes and then seven years of famine but if they hadn't taken what they needed to out of the abundance it wouldn't have been there when the famine hit they wouldn't have been prepared for it and Egypt would have survived but God needs Egypt in this equation because that's where the people of Israel are going to go and um, they're going to develop into a nation there over the next 430-odd years uh, when they get up and get in there. And uh, they'll go in as a family, and they'll come out as a nation um, at the end of the book of Genesis. So that's kind of that part of the story, and uh, that's all I'm going to do with that today. If you're watching my video, thank you. And if you need prayer, go to the website, find the prayer page, and we will pray for you.